Next on BYUSN, what do you want out of a bowl game? Location, opponent, the bowl itself, other? And Jeff Hansen joins us to talk about his list of potential candidates for the BYU defensive coordinator job coming up. Jeff Hansen making his debut on the show today. Let's go. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store Official Outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Tuesday, November 29th. USA, go beat Iran. Or is it Iran? Ask Tyler Adams in that press conference. I am Jerem Jordan. She is Kristen Kozlowski. Welcome to the new set, Kristen. Thank you. I haven't been here yet. A lot of glass. A lot of glass. A lot of glass. Make some sure we shelves. keep this clean. Let's put some stuff on the shelves less, at some point. You know. Less clutter. Yes, we're going to put Big 12 trophies all over this set when we, when we start to get them in the next couple of years. That's the plan. But uh, good to have you on the show. we got a Thank lot you. going on. Happy to be here. Yeah, a lot to talk about. What's coming up on the program today? Well, to start, we're going to go with Aaron Roderick, and give us, he gives us a clue about the BYU bowl game. Mm. So that is interesting. And what, we're, what are we looking at with BYU Hoops tonight? They're up at Vivint Arena with Westminster. And we unveil the 2023 men's volleyball schedule with head coach Sean Olmstead. Finally! I've been waiting for this. Just kidding, I've known it for a little bit. But uh, we're going to release it publicly. Let's go. Okay, here are today's headlines. First up, we don't know what bowl game BYU is going to quite yet, but Aaron Roderick, yesterday on Coordinator's Corner, gave us a clue. And then men's hoops face Most off against West... we're playing West in three weeks from, from Saturday is what I'm hearing. I don't know exactly where or who we're going to play yet, but that's the most likely time, so it's not a ton of time to get better. No, it's not, but that means on December 17th, which is what he's referring to, could be the Frisco or New Mexico Bowl most likely, perhaps Lending Tree Bowl. That will be announced no later than Sunday. Can't wait. And then men's hoops face off against Westminster tonight up at Vivint Arena. Tune in to BYU TV and BYU Radio at 9 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, we got pregame on uh, radio and TV at 8 as well, so check it out. The guys will be up at uh, Vivint, and we will be down here in the studios at BYU TV. And last but not least, Tuesday, we got three headlines. Let's go. Women's Volleyball West Coast Conference honors are out. BYU had four of the 16 first-team selections. I don't agree with 16 on the first team. That's just, that's a lot, uh, but it's all good. Aaron Livingston, Whitney Bauer, Whitney Larinus, Heather Knighting on the first. Kate Pryor and Kelsey Knudsen honorably mentioned, and Pryor was on the freshman team. Cougars played James Madison. That guy, Friday in the first round of the NCAA tournament in Pittsburgh. Good luck to the ladies. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. Five regular season, BYU headed to a bowl game. Which one? We'll see. Sounds like December 17th is the date, as we mentioned. New Mexico or Frisco, it sounds like most likely, perhaps Lending Tree, we will see. There are many things that come with the bowl game to be desired. Uh, location, opponent, the bowl itself, other. Kristen, what is it for you? What do you want out of a bowl game for BYU? I love the warm weather. So I, my preference would be the Bahama Bowl, but that's off the table, so we can't go Basketball there, right? Basketball was already there last week. <laughs> they already went there. We already had a chance to go there. If you're a fan, you already had a chance. So I definitely think Texas should be towards the top of the list in terms of location. It'll pull more for BYU in fan base. So Frisco weather. or Armed Forces? Yeah. So or... I would say the Frisco Bowl, I think, is at the top of the list for me. Okay. But I also think there's two things I'm looking for in a bowl. I don't think it matters as much who we play. 
as where we play, I think it matters what we're going to get out as a team. So, number one, win. We've got to win this game. This is something that I think going towards next year and setting that baseline and what we need to see from this team for fans to continue to believe in the team, for the team to believe in themselves, the coaching staff, maybe they can see what they need in terms of the holes, right? So the second thing would be, what are we missing? What do we need for next season? A good opportunity for players like Jacob Conover to get time out there. Let's see him throw. I'm, I'm, we saw him throw against Stanford. What do you but, mean? We saw but we didn't, uh, one but pass it wasn't complete, right? So we need to see him throw and complete and see what he can do to give himself a chance to be in the running. And obviously we're going to dive into that transfer portal. But can Jacob Conover or other players for BYU get their opportunities? So I think it's a good showcase for the staff as well. So you want warmth? And you want a G5, sounds like, because if it's P5, yeah. could be a more challenging game. Sure. Kansas has been thrown out there. So, uh, you know, uh, what, 6-6 six and six, uh, season for Kansas. Yeah, it, it depends. Uh, you know, if you're a fan, you want a certain location, which means warmth. You want a fun experience, right? If you're a fan watching, then you probably want matchup. If it's me, I want eight wins. I just want to win. I don't... And, and honestly, I don't think we're going to see Jacob Conover throw much unless BYU plays somebody that they just destroy. And uh, if that's the case, it's got to be like a mid-level G5. Then it's like a Utah State kind of Wyoming game. Wait, what do I want out of the bowl game? I would love some excitement and an interesting matchup, but a, but a BYU win. Those don't always come together. But like, do you want like 2011 Tulsa and the Armed Forces Bowl type of game where it's like, hey, you... You didn't like that. Your face just told me you don't like that matchup. I don't matchup. like that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Your face crunched. I'm you like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I like if you say, yeah, yeah, you got Kansas. We're gonna play Kansas in the Big Twelve. I, yeah, but I it's, don't a, need... it's a great measuring stick, right? Like, at least get that out of it, possibly. No one has ever said that sentence in the history of humanity, Kristen. That Kansas <laughs> would be a measuring stick. But I see what you're saying in terms of P5 and yes. Big Twelve. Um, just Kansas has had a season where they actually made I, the bowl. I completely agree. They were four and zero, but they went two and four the la- uh, or two and six the last eight after hosting game day. Um, so they really struggled after that. But yeah, I, I just want to see BYU win and just nice send off for guys we think are leaving. Uh, in, in probably Jaron Hall and Pukunuku and Blake Freeland, perhaps Clark Barrington, and maybe others that we don't know about. Um, but yeah, I, I just want to see BYU win because if BYU gets to eight wins. In spite of how bad it five. felt mm-hmm. at four and five, they will have pulled off four in a row. They will have, uh, you know, we all feel better about it. Did BYU salvage the season? No, because we expected nine and a half for this team and to be in the top 25 and be in the mix for 10 plus again. They're not going to do that. But, uh, you know, so it's disappointing to some degree, no matter what. You got a new DC. There were ch- it was so bad you had to shake it up. Um, whether that's Elisa stepping down or BYU asking him to leave. Unclear, but doesn't really matter. But I I would just like to see BYU win. If it's a compelling matchup, great. At this point in Independence Bowls, it's not a big deal what bowl you go to. Because outside the New Year's Six and just a handful of bowls like perhaps Alamo, Holiday, Capital One, and there's probably one other that I'm forgetting, there's not a lot of bowls that really pop so it's just about what you want. If you want location and or matchup, you go for that. By the way, the Big 12 ties next year so that we're all on the same page here. Sugar, obviously, New Year's Six. And we'll see what the expanded playoff at some point includes, uh, you know, certain bowls. Alamo, Cheez-It, Texas, Liberty, Guaranteed Rate, and Armed Forces slash First Responder. There's a flex there for a seventh pick. So, on, I mean, Cheez-It, Texas, Liberty, Guaranteed Rate, and... 
Those are like the bowls BYU's playing in now. Yeah. It's can you get to an Alamo Bowl type year? That's basically you're the second or third best team in the Big 12. That's the goal for BYU is can you at some point make the Big 12 title game? Is that get, realistic, though, going in next prox- year? Next year? No, absolutely no. not. Right. Next year is make a bowl game. So that's my point with Kansas, right? Be able to have, okay, yeah, they're lower. But let, let's at least see where we're at against the Big 12 or be somewhere warmer. Against a mid-tier. Yeah. Yeah. Do we want it? Well, is that a question we actually want to know the answer to? Because what if the answer is no? Well, <laughs> like, what if, what if BYU plays Kansas and it doesn't go well and we go, oh, uh, oh gosh, yeah. we lost to Kansas? Like, but if you There's win. There's pros and cons, for sure. Sure. And that's the risk of uh, obviously playing games and you want to play games. But uh, bold projections out there. Jared Palm of CBS saying first responder versus Kansas. That's the one. Yep. Mark Schleybaugh, ESPN. Lending Tree versus Coastal Carolina. Ooh, a rematch. Coastal is the team, if I could pick, that BYU plays. I just think that would be awesome given the what happened. The 2020 game. I hate that game. About a yard I sports right? hate that game. Yeah. Yes. Kept us from going sports. undefeated that season. <sighs> yeah. Uh, Kyle, Kyle Bonagura. Quick lane versus Ohio. Yeah, not happening. Brett McMurphy. Uh, Gasparilla Bowl. UCF. I think UCF with the new uh, new homies. That could be interesting. Richard Johnson, SI.com, Frisco versus Louisiana. Now that now that's a real possibility. Because if Aaron Roderick's telling us he he's hearing December three 10th, weeks from or uh, December the 17th, 17th. Yes, correct. It's there are six bowl games that day. A couple already have uh, you know ties uh, you know fulfilled. It's probably Frisco or New Mexico or Armed Forces. Those are the three that I have heard are in the mix. And neither of those, they're gonna draw well fan base for BYU. You said neither? Either. Either. Okay. Yeah. I was like, okay then. Yeah. No. Yeah. Either of those, <laughs> I think that we're going to get a good turnout, but I do think the Frisco would be probably at the top of the list for the fan base. Yeah. If you can be Dallas area, solid uh, yeah. group of Cougar fans in, in the Metroplex, of course. Um, yeah. That would be an interesting one. Yeah. So I just want to win. You want warmth and a matchup. Like you want the best I, of both I worlds. definitely want to win, but warmth. Yeah. yeah. We all want to win, but I would, I would take like a uh, crappier opponent over location. Sure. Does that make sense? Yep. Or bowl itself. Opponent matters. Yes. Yeah. All right, Jerem, let's shift just a little bit. What do you want to see tonight from BYU Hoops as they play Westminster up at Vivint Arena? BYU blew out Nichols, kind of. It's like a 13-point game. I'd love mm-hmm. to see a game where BYU just wins by 20-plus, 30. That would be nice. Westminster struggling right now, 0-5. Uh, although, you know, four of those five have been within, like, seven points. They've been competitive. Got some former Cougars there in uh, Taylor Miller, who was announced as a BYU player, never played here, and then Jeremy Dowdell, who was yeah. on the roster last year as a walk-on. Yeah, I just want to see BYU uh, just, just blow out a fool. That'd be nice. Last time BYU was on an NBA court, they crushed Oregon in the Moda Center last November. Certainly that team that day different than the team that finished the year and even this team. But BYU's coming off a, we had to have an all-time performance to not go 0-3 in the Bahamas. But they did have that performance and were, went down 23 to their discredit, but to their credit, they came they back, back and won an OT, which was awesome. Jackson Robinson found his shot. I'm interested to see if Spencer Johnson plays tonight, was out with a knee injury on right. Friday. Don't need him tonight. Don't even need him Saturday against South Dakota, uh, the Coyotes' first matchup ever. ever. So I don't, I don't know. I just want to see that second unit continue to evolve, which BYU's gone 10 deep, by the way. They, they have a clear five, starting five and a clear Second five. Well, I, I, okay, I agree with you. I think that we definitely need to. But I, I want to see improvement in certain areas. So we're getting better. We're trending in the right direction in terms of turnovers. That was a huge focus, right, early on. Turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. So we're averaging 17 per game. But we've improved the last three games 
five turnovers per game. So we're committing less, five less turnovers per game. So yeah. I would uh, like I to see that they, right. I would like to see <laughs> that they improve that. So we're at 17 yep. a game right now. And then I also want to see, I think, the continued consistency with three-point shooting. Uh, Jackson Robinson, you mentioned him. He's been shooting the three ball very well. He was started four for 28 in the first six games. Yeah, first nine of 18 games, is right. last three. Yeah, so yeah. he's shooting at 50% the last three games. Um, and Gideon George, I think Gideon George has now elevated his game to kind of be that consistent leader, continue to be that leader. I think he'll have an advantage with his athleticism tonight. Foose is going to have his hands full a little bit. They do have a good big there that's a 20 and 9 type Three player. Fair, yeah. yeah, he's awesome. So I, I think Gideon George will be the player that will step up a little bit. So take care of the ball, shoot the three ball well, and Gideon George continue to lead. Yeah, I'm interested to see. Yeah, the consistency is interesting uh, because this team has four double-digit scores at the moment. Do you want a guy – like, what's your preference as, as a, a basketball analyst? Do, do you want – like, yes, we have that 20-point score – and then some good role players? Mm -hmm. Or do you want like four or five that are in double figs? Because that's what BYU is right now. Well, I don't think you have that, yeah, you on this don't. team. And you, you won't. You don't have a 20-point score. No, and you won't. The, the balance will be key for this team. Yeah. And, and we're seeing that right now. Gideon uh, with 21 to lead the way on Friday. BYU has alternated leading, leading score scores. every game. There's not yeah. been the Foose same before. guy. Foose had 21 before. Yeah. Yes, and that was the first time BYU had anybody in 20, yeah. the last two games. So uh, we'll see what happens. That's coming up tonight, 8 Eastern pre-game on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Let's hear from you on Voice of the Nation. Our question of the day is this. What do you want out of a bowl game for BYU? Jordan Royal on Twitter. Obvious answer is just win, but a bowl win is way more for the program than people think, even if it's not a prestigious bowl. It can boost recruiting, transfer portal, program morale, get some much-needed momentum for the Big 12 gauntlet coming next season. That is an interesting point because uh, – Last year, in spite of how awesome the regular season was, 10-2, and two, beat Utah, beat Utah State, they both were in the final AP poll, you lose that bowl game to UAB, and it's mm. just a weird, dour a feeling in the offseason, despite finishing ranked 19th. Right. That was, like, if you told me at the beginning of the season, BYU, despite losing all those guys in the draft, Zach Wilson and Brady Christensen and everybody, they're still going to go 10-3 and three and finish 19th. I'd go, oh, that was amazing. What we didn't realize we was bowl ah, a bowl game lost to a G5 is a sour feeling. Now, let's just prep everybody for this. If BYU loses a bowl game, we got to start to talk like a P5 and act like a P5. Do we not? Do we not? We do. If BYU loses to a G5, all we say is we didn't want to go to that bowl. We didn't want to be there. That's what P5s do, Kristen. Let's go, ah. Oh. That's or, an excuse, though. It totally is. <laughs> and we'll use it if it doesn't go well. Not but an hope, excuse. But hopefully, a uh, good reason? Yeah. Hopefully it goes well and BYU wins. And eight, eight wins would feel like BYU somehow salvaged. did something. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure I quite go to there for it, but it's close to that of like, okay, four and five not feeling great, ripped off four in a row, let's go. It, it would then feel like 2013 and 14 where BYU won Eight games those year right. and played tougher schedules, Similar. and there they are. Yeah. Just finish on a win. All right. All right. BYU basketball faces Westminster tonight at Vivint Arena in Salt Lake City. Join Jerem and Tyler Hollis as they kick off the coverage with BYU Sports Nation game day at 8 Eastern on BYU TV. And it's Westminster, not Westminster, people. Come on. Let's get that right. Coming up after the break, Jeff Hansen of 24-7 Sports has his new defensive coordinator, Big Board. He'll break it down on his debut on the show. This is BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to Studio B. Jeremy Jordan alongside Kristen Kozlowski on this Tuesday on BYU Sports Nation. Great to have you with us. BYU football in search of a new defensive coordinator. 
And if you follow him on Twitter, you know that he's got the goods. And we welcome to the program for the first time ever, Jeff Hansen, Ricardo 10 on BYU Sports Nation. Jeff, what's up, man? How you doing, bro? What's up, guys? Hey, happy to be here for my first time. I wanted to wear a button-up shirt. I wanted to, like, button it up, do the top button, Jared, just be a little humble. But I got these jowls here on the bottom of my neck. I haven't done a top button-up in, like, 10 years, so Listen, I couldn't quite get that. Not every shirt works for you, boy. I've been going less and less to that, uh, you know, element, but it's all good, man. Um, I loved your big board yesterday, uh, 1.0, which means there may be others. So right. let's talk about it. Uh, BYU's Elias Tuiaki has stepped down. BYU's looking for a new D.C. First off, I want to ask you, is your preference as a man who covers the Cougars and a fan of, of BYU, a guy that has already called plays before and been a D.C., or is it a position coach that Kalani can mold into that? Uh, for me, it's really neither. I want a guy who's going to recruit. I mean, that really is the the biggest thing. And I think we've seen it, right? We've seen the depth of BYU in the last couple of years with injuries and things like that, that, that there's been a lot of guys who have played, but we've seen the performance drop off as BYU has to go further, further into that depth chart, which is to be expected. I want a guy who's going to be relentless in their efforts to improve the depth of that depth chart, right? Uh, moving beyond recruiting, I, I think – Going into the Big 12, previous play calling experience is pretty darn important. Um, you know, maybe five years ago when, when BYU is an independent team and they kind of know what to expect year to year, you, you take a flyer and you let somebody learn that aspect of a coordinator job kind of on the fly. But I think going into the, the a Power 5 world, BYU needs that, that existing experience, somebody who can step in and kind of hit the ground running. I feel the same way. I love that experience. You can't walk in and be like, what's going on? Although, if BYU hires a position coach to do it, they feel he's ready. Okay, let's talk about the big board you put out on 24-7 Sports as you cover BYU there. Who's, who's at the top of the list, and who do you think's really in the mix here? Yeah, man, for me, it, it's Derek Odom, and he, he's, a, he's outside of the BYU box. A lot of BYU fans may not know who he is. Uh, he played at Utah. He's coached with Kalani at Utah and at Oregon State. Uh, he's currently the San Jose State defensive coordinator. Uh, if you look at just the raw stats of San Jose State, they're they're a good defense. I think they're they're top thirty, top forty in both total defense, scoring defense. SP Plus has them right in that range as well. That may not blow your socks off, you know, being a top forty defense. San Jose State's a really difficult place to to win games. They're they're not the biggest program in their conference, and they are in an area that while there's a lot of recruiting talent. There's every school in the country that's re recruiting that area, right? So it's really difficult for them to to win and to win consistently. If you look at where San Jose State was in 2016 when, when Coach Odom took over the job, they were bad. I mean, they were bad, bad. And for him to consistently get the results that he's got over the last three or four years at San Jose State, man, that's really impressive to me. Uh, and I think that with better resources, better access to talent, Coach Oda, man, I mean, I, I think the sky's the limit for him. He, he's right at the top of my list. Well, Jeff, another name that was on your list that stuck out to me, a familiar name in Jason Kafusi, one that is uh, working with the defensive line at Arizona. What other boxes would he check as maybe a positional coach coming in for BYU? Yeah, Jason Kafusi. I mean, first he checks the Kafusi box, right? I mean, that's an important <laughs> box for BYU. <laughs> So he checks the Kafusi box, but that dude recruits, man. I mean, he recruits as hard as anybody in, in the West, anybody in the Pac-12 right now. Jason Kafusi, he grinds. And so 
that I think that mentality is going to be very important in the Big 12. Um, if you think back to when Bronco Mendenhall left BYU, went to Virginia, one of the things his coaching staff talked about in Virginia was, holy cow, recruiting's a lot more competitive in, in this Power 5 world than we thought it was. I, I think BYU is going to have that same kind of awakening in, in the next couple of years. And so Jason Kafusi, with all of his experience in Arizona, at UCLA, at Utah, I think he knows what to do on the recruiting trail, and, and he would bring that effort. He's connected to just about every state, every high school, every everybody. Uh, he, he would do really well. If you're going to say that you, the play calling isn't your most important box, Jason Kafusi is a really good name to, to, to look at. Who else is on your list that you put out on 24-7 Sports? Yeah, I really like Frank Miley up at Boise State. Uh, he's just done so many good things at, uh, at Utah State, really. I mean, he's been part of the, the resurgence of Boise State this year. Uh, but at Utah State, he just did a little bit of everything, right? I mean, he he was he started as a position coach. He was a co-defensive coordinator. He ended up uh, being the interim head coach. Kind of got a raw deal over there at Utah State when, when Gary Anderson got the job. Uh, but Frank Miley has the respect of his players. He has the respect of just about every high school coach I've ever talked to here locally. Uh, Frank Miley would be a, an absolute home run for BYU. Um, the other name that, that's kind of off the radar a little bit is Keiko Malloy at UCLA. Uh, he's just a position coach right now. He's, he's on the defensive, uh, excuse me, the outside linebackers at UCLA. Uh, but he was a defensive coordinator at Washington a couple of years ago. Actually, I think just last year was his last year at Washington. And he led some pretty darn good defenses for the Huskies. Uh, he was not retained by their new coaching staff, which happens, right? I mean, a new coaching staff comes in, and new head coach comes in and brings in his own guys. So Malloy kind of got the short end of the stick, and even though he had performed, uh, he was out of a job. He's a proven coordinator. He's connected. He's also familiar with Utah State. He coached Utah State early in his career, so he knows the local recruiting areas. Ikaika Malloy he'd be really, really good. I, I really like him as kind of a, a name that not very many people are talking about, but there's there's connections there with Kalani Sataki and, and this coaching staff. Another familiar name that I wanted to point out, I think BYU fans know Kelly Papinga, who's up at Boise State, and you mentioned him on your list as well. He worked with Fred Warner, Kyle Vannoy, has some great ties to BYU. Is it important for BYU to find someone with ties to the school or just start fresh, somebody outside the box? That's a really good question. And I think if this were a head coach, Absolutely, you want to have those ties. That institutional knowledge of BYU is a very, very important aspect for a coach. I, I think at the coordinator level, as long as Kalani is there and he kind of knows the ins and outs of BYU, it's maybe less important. Uh, still still important. But what, what, what really holds weight, and the reason why a Kelly Papinga might be there, is, is coaches, coaches hire guys that they trust, right? Coaches hire guys that they know. A lot of people like to say, it's like, oh, you're only hiring your friends. Well, yeah, you hire people that you trust, and if they happen to be your friends, that that's what happens, right? And, and so Kelly Papinga, a lot of people at BYU were going to trust Coach Papinga. Kalani certainly has a relationship, knows Coach Papinga. There would be an element of trust that you you already have, right, that, that's kind of built in on day one uh, if Kelly Papinga were to come in. And I think that that would help Kalani you know, feel comfortable saying, hey, Coach Papinga, Take the defense. It's yours. I got to go do other things for this team. Uh, that level of trust is important in helping helping a, a coach assimilate quickly and helping Kalani get back to his head coaching duties and not, not, not defensive coordinator duties. 
Yeah, and sometimes you have uh, Jeff Grimes, who's kind of off the board, has been here before, but he comes back. He's not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That's not a thing you have to have as the head coach, right, uh, we believe. Or, or you could have familiar names, as, you, as Kristen mentioned in, in Kelly Papinga. You put Justin Enna, former BYU linebacker, was a D.C. at Utah State, is at San Diego State. Sean New is an interesting name as well. Really high-profile coach at Michigan and now USC. He's been at Navy before. He hasn't been in D.C., but he is a rising uh, guy in the ranks as well. I think Cougar fans would enjoy a familiar name uh, with those guys as well, potentially. Yeah, I, I think so for sure. And, and Sean Nua, it, it, for me, a recruiting guy, Sean Nua, man, he's, he's right at the top of the list as well. Um, it, it really comes down to, Jerem, kind of like you asked at the beginning, right, is, is how important is previous play-calling experience and uh, for, for Coach Nua, being at Michigan, especially uh, where he coached for, with Doc Brown for so long, I, uh, excuse me, Don Brown. Um, Marty! I, I, don't know, <laughs> I don't know how much play calling experience he has. I think he certainly could figure it out. He certainly could do it. Uh, but like I say, I do think that Kalani wants some of that previous experience. So I don't know that Nua's at the top of my list right now. But if Nua were to, if Nua were to get this job, BYU fans would love him. And, and he would do really good things. He might need a year or two to get comfortable, but he would do really good things if he had that time. Along with the list, you also mentioned that BYU should move quickly. Why should they be moving quickly? Aside from the bowl game coming up, why is it so important they find someone sooner rather than later? Yeah, so the early signing period, I believe, is December 18th this year. So that's, that's the high school recruiting, junior college recruiting. Kids can start to sign at that point. Uh, but the transfer portal window, that's kind of a new thing this year. It opens up the first week of December where existing players on your existing roster can now enter their names to the transfer portal. Right now, the only people who can enter the transfer portal officially are grad transfers, uh, FCS transfers, and then schools that have already lost their head coach. Players from those teams can enter the transfer portal. Once that window opens for everybody, it's going to be like transfer portal bonanza, and, and people just start going into the portal like crazy. NIL has changed the game. The transfer rules where you're immediately eligible once, that's changed the game. And, and so for BYU, not only do you have to recruit the high school ranks, you, you've got to recruit your, your current roster as well. Uh, so far, the Cougars have been pretty lucky in the transfer portal world that they haven't been impacted by transfers out so much. Everybody else in the country is, you know, fighting to keep their rosters intact every December. And I think this year, BYU is going to have to fight a little bit harder than they've had to. And they're going to want a defensive coordinator and a coaching staff as close to fully staffed as they can get to help them with that fight. Amen. You got to do it in the next, uh, honestly, like two weeks. That way you give yourself a week defensively to say, hey, yeah, sign here. I'm the guy. If I'm a high school player, I don't know who the D.C. is. I want to know who that guy is. And then BYU has guys like Cody Epps. Listen, if I'm USC, I want Cody Epps. I love what I've seen when he's been healthy, but he loves the culture here, loves BYU. So BYU's got to re-recruit all its own guys, like you said. The expectation, Jeff, is that BYU will pursue a high-profile quarterback to be the next guy should Jaron Hall leave, which we expect him to do. And running backs, Hinkley Ropati and Miles Davis, nice additions. I'm not sure they're RB1 types in the Big 12 per se, but good number twos and threes. Do you feel like BYU is going to go get those impact players in the transfer portal for next year? I think they're going to give it their best shot. Um, I, and I think you, you mentioned quarterback, you mentioned running back. I think they'll probably dabble a little bit with defensive linemen, depending on who's there in the portal. There's, there's a handful of positions that the BYU is going to go out and try to get. 
But I think that the nature of the transfer portal last year, there were 3000 kids who hit the transfer portal. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. It, it's totally changed the game of college football. I think BYU, if you look at their, their recruiting class out of high school, there's only 14, 15 commits right now. You know, normally there'd be 20, 25 at this point in the, in the, in the class. I think BYU is gearing up to just go and add talent from the transfer portal. There's a few positions that they've got to get. You, you mentioned those. But if the right opportunity comes up for a wide receiver, for a linebacker, I think BYU is going to be pretty active in trying to get those guys and just adding as much talent to the roster. It's what you've got to do. I mean, people are able to remake their rosters now in a year. You look at TCU. Just a year ago, they were firing their coach. They add a bunch of transfers. They get a new coach. A bunch of people leave. They keep a couple of key players like Max Duggan at quarterback, and all of a sudden, TCU's a playoff contender, right? I mean, that's how quickly things can turn around now uh, due to the transfer portal. So for BYU, you don't have to wait three, four years for missionaries to come and, and all that stuff. You can go attack the portal hard, and it looks like BYU's kind of prepping themselves to do so. Well, Jeff, we appreciate the time. Great insight into the big board with the DCs and uh, whatnot. How can people follow your stuff? Yeah, follow me on, on Twitter at Rakutu10 and uh, GiveEmHellBrigham.com. We're, we're doing something really cool I want to talk about real quick. This, this December, it's cold outside, right? We're doing a coat drive and a blanket drive for the Salt Lake City Rescue Mission right now. Uh, so GiveEmHellBrigham.com. Check us out. You'll get the details there. Help us give some people some warmth this Christmas season. Give them coats, give them blankets, things like that. Jeff, you've joined Connor Pay in dropping biblical bombs here on BYU TV. We appreciate the time, man. Thanks. Love it. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, guys. All right. Tonight on the season finale of After Further Review, we break down the Stanford game film and talk more about the exit of defensive coordinator Elisa Tuaki. Join Dave Blaine, David tonight at 7 Eastern on the BYU TV app. It's the season finale. Should be a good one. And coming up, how much honesty is required in sports? The curious case of Ronaldo from yesterday in the World Cup. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This is BYU Sports Nation. To interact with the show and get great content throughout the day, follow us on social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. What's up? She is Kristen. I am Jerem. Let's whip it. Cougar Whip Rams presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. All right, Jerem. Men's basketball put on their last, put out their last of the new uniforms. The black with the royal just came out. Did you like the football? black or the men's basketball black? I like the men's basketball one a little more. I, I do love a, a good black uniform. BYU wore this historically in the pit at Albuquerque. Uh, New Mexico won a huge game late in the 90s, I believe 98, snapping like this 40 game win streak or something, 50 of New Mexico. Always good vibes from these uniforms. What do oh, you prefer? For sure, I like the football. I think you I like, like football more. I like the football more. Uh, I think in how it was revealed. You know, the UFC and how they, they made this whole big deal about it and how Vegas it looked. Yeah. Hooking the quiz against Notre Dame. Yeah. Dana White. So I, I would pick football. On this okay. One. Football yeah. it is. They wore them against Notre Dame. Didn't get a win that day, so I don't have the same good vibes know. that I okay. do with basketball, but uh, <laughs> all good. Fred Warner is going to make the Pro Bowl, currently ninth in voting. Uh, well, we hope he makes the Pro Bowl. He's one of the best linebackers, right? Should he be a top five vote getter when the voting's done? He, he tweeted uh, that he wants some help here. Needs help. He needs help. Please make me my second promo. Now, here, here, here's the thing. 
the Pro Bowl are like politics. It's just voting. It's not merit-based. And, and fans account for one-third of the process. Oh, it's just one-third. Okay. One-third. There yeah, we go. I, I was researched say, that before, just so I knew. Because all pro really tells you who's good. Yeah. Pro Bowl's whatever. Like, Vince Young was a pro bowler at one point. I was mm -hmm. like, wait, so just anybody goes? Like, Vince was good, but he wasn't, like, real good to great. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, yeah. So he should be in the Pro Bowl regardless of the Cougar vote. Cougar Nation matters. A third of the vote. They should jimmer the vote. Yeah. Yeah, a third part, if you will. Absolutely. I agree. So I think he's up there. All right, WCC postseason honors for the BYU women's volleyball team just came out. Did the conference get it right? They nailed it. Um, and here's why. Because there are 16 players on the first team. I think there should be seven, like a starting lineup. You have your set, your two outsides, two middles, opposite, center, and uh, libero. But uh, there are 16, so it's all good. Uh, but they nailed it with Livingston, Bauer, Larinus, Nighting on the first team. Pryor Nuts and honorably mentioned Pryor on the freshman team. Pryor's going to be a star, by the way. Fantastic. Livingston really rose to the occasion this year, playing six rotations. Top hitter in the conference, uh, statistically, she was fantastic. What BYU lacked this year was a second pin hitter consistently with her. Sure, yeah. I would agree. I think BYU got what they needed to. I think, I mean, San Diego almost swept everything. They almost took home everything. They deserve wise You know, WCC Coach of the Year, WCC Player of the Year. 18-0 uh, for the Toreros in conference play. So I think that that was deserved. But for BYU, I think it was. And that's what BYU typically does. Yes. That's what, uh, occasionally you go, oh, that's what it's wants. like to be on the other end of this? That's yeah. tough. There we go. That's tough. <laughs> Where will you be watching the United States play around in, in soccer today in the World Cup? Let's see. That's at uh, 12. Mm -hmm. I think we said 12 p.m. today. Mountain. We make it home by then I, to the I snow. I may be driving. Yeah. Yeah. You might still <laughs> be at point of the mountain. I won't be watching. I will be driving safely home. So replays. You'll be listening yeah. on your phone. I'll be at home watching with my guy Carson Payton, former UVU captain. He knows the game better than I do. I'll be and like, you're What's representing. Going on? And today. I'm repping. They're wearing the blue today. I don't have the blue. Uh, this is what they wore the first game. But uh, yeah, I'll have the two screens up because Wales, England will be going at yeah. the same time. Yeah. Winning in for the United States. Let's go. All right, Ronaldo was credited for and celebrated a goal in a review yesterday. He did not touch it. Do you have to be honest in sports? This brings up a good Let, question. Let's talk about this, because uh, sure, you know, to be employed here, I, I answer the question, are you honest in your here. dealings with your fellow men? Now, in sports and in a court of law, you don't go declare what really happened. You allow that process to take That's place, That's why we have right? officials, right? That's why we have officials, yeah. right? Um, and in court, you don't go, ah, I actually did it, I gotta be honest. <laughs> you let that process take place. But with Ronaldo specifically, he acted like he touched it. Now, I, in, in soccer, I'm not sure, in, in volleyball, the hair is not a part of a contact. It's actually it has to touch your right. head, right? Which there's a lot of gray area, it feels like there. But um, yeah, to a certain degree, to a certain degree, I'm not saying you're dishonest in sports, but you not saying anything omissively to me is not dishonest. Does you're, that make sense? You're not volunteering yourself that, yes, I did hit it out of bounds. My bad. Exactly. Yep, give, it, give it to the other team. Exactly. Now in church ball, that may be different. You know. Church, well, church ball is its own brand yes. of everything, right? I still wouldn't volunteer in church ball. <laughs> yeah. There it is. The competitor comes up. Okay, it's still last night a ton. It was uh, kind of a messy commute this morning uh, here locally. For those two who don't live here, this led to the following tweet during the show uh, from BYU uh, backup quarterback Jacob Conover. I love my BYU minivan, but she was not made for the snow. Might be time to move on. As a reminder, this is what his minivan looks like. It is decked out, it is wrapped to the teeth. This thing is awesome. BYU's backup quarterback's rolling around Provo. If you see that thing, you're like, oh, that's Jacob Conover. So this begs the question, this is a choice he makes to have a minivan. I had a minivan at BYU for a minute. 
I've, oh. I've talked about it. I took six girls on a date. <laughs> I called it the Polyga date. It was awesome. Should the BYU backup have a better set of wheels or is this perfect? Perfect. It's perfect look, for the backup. Look at the wrap on that thing. That's that's what sets sponsored. it apart. Yeah. I, is that a is that a Honda? I'm trying to see what it is. <laughs> like a 19, I'm not in the minivan game yet. A 1992 Honda. I, I can't really tell, but yeah, what, I five, think right? this is perfect. It's it's not so much about the minivan as it is what you do with it. And he's wrapped it okay. perfectly. You know, so. so if you if he had a minivan with no wrap, that would not yeah. be as yeah. Okay. Time to move on. I think it's time to move on for him. I really do. Not just because of the snow. I think next year he's competing for a starting spot. I, I think it's time to get him a, a nice set of wheels. But for the in the meantime, that's this let's has just been hope fun. be safe. Just be safe. Yeah. A lot, yeah, of, a lot of snow coming. In that two-wheel, uh, probably front-drive yes. uh, minivan, that's not uh, <laughs> that's not going to be that safe. Yeah, yeah. Stay, stay safe. Stay safe. All right, join us for BYU Basketball with Mark Pope this week as Coach Pope recaps the Westminster game with Greg Rubel and looks ahead to South Dakota on Saturday. Watch it tomorrow at 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app. Special day because of the game tonight, and we've got the men's volleyball schedule coming up. Hey, Sean Olmstead in the house. You wearing neon today? No neon? Shocking! We'll break down the schedule coming up after the break. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Volleyball season coming up in January. Why are we talking men's volleyball? Because it's BYU and I'm involved, so I want to talk volleyball. Kristen loves volleyball. Let's go. Love volleyball. Uh, the 2023 schedule is out. Let's walk you through it, and then we'll chat with uh, BYU head coach Sean Olmstead and break it down. So it starts January 6th against McKendree. This is a revenge game. McKendree came in here and won a couple years ago. Lewis in the house, bye week early. And then uh, Fairleigh Dickinson, uh, a new emerging team in the game. We'll talk about the growth of the game, especially in D2 coming up at UC Irvine after that, and then we get into February. February 2nd and 3rd at Ball State, and then the 10th and 11th at home with UC Santa Barbara, 17th and 18th of February at UCLA. That'll be big ones. And then the 24th and 25th, the final at the end of the month, is at Concordia. In March at Grand Canyon for a pair. Ohio State comes to Provo, of course. Uh, you know, always, always vengeful thoughts from 16 and 17. By week, 24th and 25th, Pepperdine at home and USC. All right, in April, a bye week to start off, and then the 14th and 15th, Stanford at home. Then we'll return to Stanford for the MPSF tournament. So there we go. That's the schedule. It's out. Get your tickets, uh, BYUtickets.com. Let's go. We now welcome Sean Olmstead of the program. Sean, what's going on, man? Schedule's out, baby. Schedule's out. It's an exciting day. USA Soccer's going. We're talking Ronaldo's goal. We didn't mention Maradona. That's the most famous goal ever, the hand of God yeah. uh, <laughs> goal. So, uh, But I won't get too deep into that because uh, we all get distracted. <laughs> Controversial. But it, it's an exciting day, and yes. I've got to be in the gym, so I can't. I'll have our trainer update us as the match progresses. Wait, you can't throw it up on the boards? I, you we video could, boards but we, got, we, we, we have a we have limited amount of practice time remaining, and so we're going to stay focused. We, we get to scrimmage this weekend. We're going to head down to Vegas. Uh, we get to meet Pepperdine down there. So um, as much as I thoroughly enjoy a great soccer matchup, um, we got to stay focused. Uh, and if I would 
put on a game and maybe tomorrow, you know, Argentina's got to play for their life and, you know, kind of return missionary. You know how it is, served in Brazil, yeah, yeah, served yeah. in Argentina. Well, that's why I have an issue with this, because yeah, it's so, Argentina. So anyways, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. But let's get back to the schedule. Just No, let's talk about your wardrobe. Oh, yeah. I love um, the hat first off. The then, hat, that's the best I could do for soccer. There we go. Yep. Okay. Um, really, really like this hat. And the, uh, BYU and Nike put out a great Veterans Day collection. And then this, uh, the sweatshirt, you know, we've, we've had an opportunity to have some unique designs and, and do some things that get people excited for our program, for our team. And uh, so um, this one, I actually kind of de designed myself and put it over to our equipment people, they got it done. And so many people reached out to me when, when I, I started wearing this that we had to go and we reordered, I don't know, like 30, 40, 50 more uh, that are that's in awesome. process right now. So um, anyways, yeah, that's the wardrobe, I guess. No and neon jeans. though. Like, oh, the shoes. The shoes. I don't know. The, 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 on the back. That's your yeah. thing, but, neon. You know, yeah. Oh, I see some green neon on the heel. We got the Nike so there Trail go. socks. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, good yeah. collection. The ultra marathoners showing up. <laughs> Yeah. So what what went into this schedule? Talk what, talk us through a little bit of this. What went into the schedule and kind of getting some of these games? Yeah. So there's a I, I years ago I really got uh, more and more involved with kind of you know growing the game. I started we started to see the growth of the sport in men's volleyball, especially at a time when things in college athletics seemed to go more into the bigger sports, the football, uh, it, you know revolved around all the the NIL stuff and things growing bigger and bigger and the, the rumors of their own association or this or that. And, you know, men's volleyball, you know, kept growing and kept kind of building. There was uh, this movement to grow the game. And I looked at an opportunity uh, to get out there and play those teams that aren't getting those opportunities. You know, years ago, we went to Mount Olive and to this day, that has been one of the best road trips we have ever had to go in the middle of nowhere, you know, Mount Olive, take our team there. The amount of BYU fans that came, I mean, we filled the gym. It was such a cool experience. And our guys say the same, you know, even playing at a sold out Hawaii or different different venues, that experience being there, reaching out to those, those people in that community. And so I've looked at those opportunities to be able to bring those kids in. And it's really, really fun for me as the head coach to see these kids at these other programs come to the Smith Fieldhouse and like just wow the experience that I find so much joy in that um, just being able to allow those kids that opportunity to come and play in front of, in front of four or five thousand fans that they're never going to get in their life and in their career and so I, every year I've tried to do my best to reach out to those programs and stay in connect to do my part to help build those teams and get them exposure and give them that opportunity. And so there's, uh, you know, we have that opportunity here in Provo. Um, we start with great competition, like you said, McKendry and Lewis, both those teams are great teams. McKendry, Nikki does a phenomenal job there doing both programs. And um, she coaches the men and the women, men and the women, you know, just yep. full time. And uh, a Dan friend is, is is a close friend of mine at Lewis. We've kept a really good connection because I think it's important to be able to go to those programs. And he feels the same to be able to come out to the West Coast, um, bringing Ohio State here is a great opportunity for us. You know, Pete's retired. Uh, Birch has done a great job there and he and I have a good relationship. The consistency with Irvine and Santa Barbara. Um, we like that relationship with the Big West going back and forth. Sure. And so there's a lot of those things uh, that went into play into the schedule. And 
um, I, we're really excited to just get going right around the corner. And the MPSF tournament is a predetermined site yes. now. It's yes. at Stanford. That's new. Yes, mm-hmm. that's new. And it's, uh, you know, I can't recall the exact, the, the dates. We have them all. We have it, you know, an email where, you know, where BYU falls in the it next. rotates among the seven? Yes, among the seven. So in the next, you know, seven years where we fall. And, and again, I can't recall where we're at, but we're in there. And they're just going to do that in it. I understand the idea behind it. It gets really really hectic trying to reserve rooms, flights, everything, when you don't know the week before who's going to host the tournament. And so I get it. I understand it. Um, I still, uh, I will say I, I voted for the old school to just, you know, fight to host the tournament. Um, but uh, I understand the logic behind all the other coaches voting that way, being able to plan things and just allow that to take care of itself. And, and also the, the support staff at those institutions prepare to make it a great event. So I get it. Um, again, I still wanted to fight for, you know, up to the last week. That was exciting and fun. Like, hey, we're fighting to be able to host this thing and we can bring the championship here to our court, you know, our fans. If I'm the league, I don't want it to go to Provo. You know what yeah, I mean? No, no, no. I understand that. He's probably going to win. No, yeah. I understand that. No. But, but it, I mean, it's, it's available for everybody. Everyone's out there battling for sure. it, you know. But, um, again, I think with actually with COVID, when, when that became, uh, you recall that year when nobody was willing to host it except us? Yeah. Um, that's where I think the idea started to go, hey, this was a lot easier when we knew months ahead, if not a year ahead, that this event was coming here. It just... And check you took the list. all the quarters there and the whole everything, yeah. you know, yeah. everything. So I, I understand that. That was fun. We called all those matches. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was really exciting. Yeah. Give us a brief overview of the team really quick and, and a few players, particularly with Bernardo, who just a couple weeks ago is uh-huh. joining the team. And you've got Trent Moser, who you're looking forward to this season yeah. as well. A lot of great things. You know, we brought back that group. Um, you know, we, we graduated Alex, B.O. and Davide. Um, but the remainder of those guys that were playing and, and battling and, and going through a really tough year last year, they're all here and back, and each one of them got, uh, has improved tremendously, got stronger in the offseason. Mix had a great opportunity to go over to Europe and train with the Latvian national team. Um, we had a handful of guys staying on campus, working out together. And so there's a lot of great things. So the, the, a lot of the guys you saw last year are back, you know, Mix, Mitch. Mitch has done a phenomenal job in the offseason, and, and he's improved maybe more than anybody else on our team, our libero, and, and that's been really exciting. Uh, Tion Taylor is just, you see him blossoming. You know, he's a walk-on kid that didn't play a ton, but he, a ton of volleyball, but he's physical, he's fast, and he's just learning the game every single day. Uh, Trent Moser, like you, like you mentioned, is a really, really strong recruit out of Arizona. Luke Benson is, is Luke Benson. Uh, I can't get him off the volleyball court. You know, he's in there 10 p.m. with his mom shooting the cannon at him for two, two and a half hours on the weekends. Um, and he's just excited and ready to play. And we've got Capono and Anthony coming back as opposite. So a lot of great things uh, for our team coming back. Bernardo's going to add to our team in, in December when he gets here. And we're going to kind of be able to see where he fits in. It's unfortunate that he couldn't train with us at all, but that's part of it, and we understand we understood that going into it, and really, really have been excited about the additions of, of all the guys. Well, obviously, we can't wait. Uh, coming up in January, all the matches will be on BYU TV and/or the BYU TV app. Sean, we appreciate the time. Best of luck with everything, Always. man. Thank you guys for everything. Go USA. Let's go. <laughs> All right, listen as BYU basketball faces Westminster tonight at Vivna Arena in Salt Lake City. Coverage begins at 8 Eastern on Cougar Pregame Live 
on BYU Radio. That's right, Radio and TV, we got you covered. And coming up, Top 5 Tuesday featuring the best comebacks in men's hoops history on the heels of that 23-pointer against Dayton. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Welcome back to the program, Top 5 Tuesday time after the 23-point comeback against Dayton. Top 5 men's hoops comebacks, number 5. Well, number 5, we have BYU's win over Iona in 2012 NCAA tournament. BYU was down 25 points in the first half, but the Cougs would keep Iona to only 10 second-half points and would eventually take the lead, ending the game 78-72. to this game would mark the biggest comeback in the NCAA tournament since 2001. Wow, how is this number five and not higher? Number four, 2014 against St. Mary's. Cougars down by as many as 14 on the road. Nate Austin's late putback. Give BYU the lead. 60-57 win on the road in Moraga. In third is the most recent BYU men's basketball win over Dayton in the Battle for Atlantis. With six minutes left in the first half, BYU was down 23 points, 32-9. to However, the Cougars outscored the, floor, the Flyers 40-24 in the second half and took the game to overtime. In OT, BYU outscored the Flyers by four, winning 79-75. Number two, 2002 versus Utah, senior day for Matt Montague and Eric Nielsen. Cougars trailed by as many as 21. They come back to win it late in the game. Eric Nielsen, an eight-foot jumper, gave BYU its first lead. They beat the Utes 63-61. All right, at number one, the Cougars win over the number-ranked Zags in their 2017 regular season finale. Gonzaga took an early 18-2 lead at the 14-26 mark. BYU took a one-point lead with just under nine minutes to play, and eventually BYU would hold on to win 79-71. This was the first win in program history over a number one ranked team. It would be good enough to lead the whole time and win, let alone be down by that. Jeez, those are the top five men's hoops comebacks ever. Our question of the day, what do you want out of the bowl game for BYU? Our elite voice of the day is presented by PAX, Healthcare Elevated. Clyde Livingston on Twitter, a win so we can play another Pac-12 team? Ha! Nice, Clyde. <laughs> Today's Rise and Shoutouts presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Gideon George getting engaged. Congratulations. And Taysom and Emily Hill expecting their second child. That's awesome. Our thanks to today's guests, Jeff Hansen and Sean Olson. The conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And this is and all of our shows are on demand at BYUSN.com. Sorry to Dennis Pitta. We ran out of time for Chris and I'm Jerem. Shout out to Chelsea Goodman. We'll see you tonight for the season finale of AFR and men's hoops against Westminster. Go Cougs! <laughs>